Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform Podcast sponsored by Amplience and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd. Uh, my co-host Paul Rogers is not with us today. I believe he had a very exciting uh, night out with his business last night. Um, hello to our regular listeners. Warm welcome if you're joining us for the first time. Do subscribe to get episode alerts because we uh, land a new one every week. And we'd love you to give us a like on Spotify, uh, Apple, YouTube, etc. to make us feel all warm inside. So our topic today is a really important one. It's about um, the changes that are happening with Google Analytics and the move to GA4. And we've got two specialists who are going to be able to provide a lot of practical advice and guidance today. So first, I'll welcome Jill Quick, who uh, is the owner of the colouring department. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? Hello. Nice to see you. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining us. Do you want to give people a quick flavour for, for who you are and what you do? I always hate these bits because it's like writing your own CV, isn't it? Talking about yourself. Um, my name is Jill um, and I love a little bit of measurement. Uh, so I focus on all things to do with measuring your websites and your marketing. And that will be done through training or audits or guides or consultancy. And I primarily focus on analytics and then I do a little bit of data visualization. But right now, quite busy with GA4, which is the topic of today. Wonderful, thank you. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. The the uh, it's basically a chance to big yourself up. It's uh, it's good. It's slightly um, awkward. It's a bit British still to be like, oh. Yes, I'm conservative. I will not say how good I am. Um, excellent. And we also have Anna Lewis, who's the founder of Polka Dot Data. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. And thanks also for taking the time to join us. And do you, do you want to do the same? What what's um, you know who you are? What do you do? Sure. Um, so I'm I'm Anna. I've been working in analytics for. Uh, far too long. Um, I don't like to admit it because it makes me feel old. Um, but yeah, uh, started out in SEO, PPC, done agency work. And then six years ago, I left the in-house analytics role I was in. So I'd set up um, GTM and enhanced e-commerce when it was fresh out the box uh, in-house for a big brand and started my own agency so that I could do it my way and um, help the people I wanted to work with the people I want to. Um, and now, six years down the line, uh, Polkadot Data's got some really nice clients. And we do a lot of um, the Google platform with regards to analytics. So it's Google Analytics implementations, auditing, replatforming people, um, supporting with that. Then it's analysis, insights, dashboarding, you know, um, I've got a little team of four people at the moment. Um, and um, yeah, we just like helping people use use their data to make more money. That is the base of it, really. <laughs> Sounds yeah, corny. It all boils but... down to money. Amazing. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, so just before I start asking the annoying questions, just for those listening, a few key things you're going to get from today's episode, which is well worth uh, carrying on listening. So number one is, what's the big change with Google Analytics and what it means to e-commerce teams? How to plan for GA for migrations? What to do about historical data? What are some of the differences in GA4? And alternatives for those who maybe have had enough and decided that actually they need to look for an alternative um, analytics platform. So that's the key things. So let's start with the first question. So Anna, I'll direct this one to you first. What is happening to Universal Analytics and how important is it for e-commerce teams to understand this and act now? What you know, what are the risks are basically in action? So it is pretty important. Um, unlike before, when Google Analytics moved from classic or even urchin through to universal analytics, they didn't actually um, turn off any of the tools. But this time they have now said um, that they will be turning off universal analytics tracking. It won't collect any new data from the end of June next year, so 2023. Um, so really what we're saying to businesses is if you haven't already got some GA4 tracking in place, 
get something up and running so that you're at least tracking basic data and some conversions before June this year. Um, what I'd say is start quick and dirty if you need to, um, but just get get something. And then get, by the end of June this year, have a good implementation because things will be changing. Um, and from you know June next year, you want to be able to look at your historical data. So that's why we're saying by June this year, it'd be really good to make sure that you do look at your data. And it's good to just start diving into it and getting an understanding for what it is and how it's different and whether or not you want to think about a different platform before that time. So that again, in a year's time, you can um, do a historical look back and, and measure your performance year on year because that's what a lot of businesses rely on. So that's why we're saying act now. And there really is a small window of action because, yeah, you're right, to, to get that 12-month historical data, you can't sit on your heels for the next four to six weeks. You've got to start acting now. Um, exactly. And, Jill, a question uh, for you. Can you run a, a people through what is GA for and how it differs to UA? Because I think some people still don't grasp this. I think they think it's just like, Annie, you were saying, like you know, it's the latest version of, of GA rather than it's a fundamental change. Yeah, it's um I I'd go as far to say that I think the positioning from Google Analytics saying that it's an upgrade is slightly um slightly underwhelming um the actual work that's that's um that's ahead of you really. It's a little bit there's a bit more work ahead of us um basically. So the way that I've been describing this change to people is likening analytics to methods of transportation. So when Urchin came out, that would have been our bike analytics. And then when it upgraded to the classic, that was like getting a moped. And we were already happy because the moped was a little bit better than the bike. And then in 2012, we get universal analytics, which is essentially a car. And that did feel like an upgrade, you know, and I know with, with Anna working on a lot of brands at that time, doing all the enhanced e-commerce, we were all as analysts and marketeers using analytics, really happy with this. 10 years on, and we now have the fourth version of analytics, which despite Google calling it an upgrade, it's essentially a helicopter. And we've all been used to a car. We've been driving it. We've been a passenger. Some of us have got better cars than others. Some people have got sports cars and minibuses. But Google's kind of changed the model. So the, the data model for the car and the helicopter, whilst there are some similarities, they have doors, they have windows and seat belts. It is a completely different model. So whilst Google's saying it's an upgrade, the majority of people can't fly a helicopter. So there's this steep learning curve to understand the data model, which is moving away from a hit-based model to a user and event-based model, which kind of brings GA4 into the kind of Adobe kind of analytics and quite a few of the complicated analytics products that people paid for. Um, so with that, it's not quite new. And for a number of reasons, it's been needed. Um, we have got a lot of challenges ahead of us with cookie-less tracking, with third-party cookies dropping off, and basically just tracking is getting a little bit harder, that the car couldn't really adapt to that ecosystem. And I know we might touch on it um, in, in this call, um, but I think a lot of the stuff going on in Europe with GDPR, I think that's accelerated Google's decision to to push the car to basically be burned with fire um, and force everybody to use the, um, the helicopter. So it's, it's quite a lot of neuroplasticity to get going, but we've all been used to having this 
user session hit-based data model and now we're going to everything is an event and I still struggle I'm sure I'm, I'm hoping Anna's like nope me too um page views now an event and I'm like oh that used to be a hit um so there's some there's some things to kind of get your head around but I mean I'm there are some things that I don't like and there are some things that I really really love and I think if we we can we can sit with our feelings I know that there's people listening to this that are hacked off you know there's um there's a disappointment there's an anger because we thought we had longer we thought we had more time because I think there's some sites that I've audited that still use classic I saw one in America that was using urchin and I'm like my god like it's still going um and this is a completely different way of looking at it so the data model it won't it won't look like universal and I think that's the biggest shock isn't it when people log in they're like what fresh hell is this where is everything I'm like yeah it's a helicopter it's not where's the steering wheel you've got a gear stick now where's this oh that's a new dashboard over here what's big query oh that's the black box to your helicopter and they're all like where's my car I like my car so it's it's familiarize, familiarizing yourself um but also being kind to yourself that this is not as simple as yeah. click on the upgrade button we're all getting the message now aren't we the little banner saying please upgrade that's where I think it's a little bit unfair to call it an upgrade because an upgrade is take my knocked out old banger car and give me a tesla and what you're doing is taking the keys away from my car and telling me to fly a helicopter that is a big jump you know yeah a, a sub question related to that um is so Anna, you touched about the the need to build up historical data and what what will people need to do with that old ua data to be able to use it in conjunction with new data and be able to do historical comparisons of different years. Because from my understanding, you know, I don't understand it like you two do. My understanding is the data model is that different, that you can't just compare like-for-like like reports. There's going to be a different way to be able to compare year-on-year year going back historically. What what yeah, else do you have for that? So what I would actually recommend is think about what is going to be beneficial to the business. Actually, you don't necessarily need every single data, single data point from to do your historical analysis. Quite often, your historical analysis is going to be the key business KPIs and what is there for your business objectives and your stakeholder reporting. It should. It won't always be the granular data that you use for your daily insights and optimization. So if you think that your business needs you know, two or three years worth of um, comparisons, trend lines, that sort of thing, Understand which metrics it is that are important to your business, and if you so if you need to export anything, export those. Um, and there are a couple of tools out there to to help you with that. Um, it, all the data comes with the same caveats. If, uh, to export from Universal Analytics, you're going to be using the API, or you're going to be using you know putting it into a um, a BigQuery type thing. Um, so getting that data. Some people think it's going to be really important, but I actually think it's a really nice opportunity, especially where the last two years have been so unpredictable. They're not on trend. Seasons haven't been seasons. They've been lockdowns. So actually, it's a really good time to just say, screw it, get your new data set up now, start afresh and be happy to bin off Universal at some point in the next um, 12 months and switch all your reports over. So you've got a bit of time to be able to start, you know, building those reports up, getting those data points. Um, and honestly, you know, sometimes it matters what happened two years ago, but it's been such a freaking weird time <laughs> that just start afresh, start post-COVID. Post Let's just 
let's just go with this is the new world, the new the new 2022 onwards. Everything starts from now. It's been a weird few years. We'll just start reporting and do any comparisons to 2022, not those weird things that were 2020 and 2021. Yeah, and just for the, the, the sake of clarity, um, have I answered this great? You won't have access to old UA data, so you need to export it before the end of life, or, or will you still have access to old accounts to be able to go in to data? They're going to keep it for six months once it's stopped reporting and a bit longer if you're a 360 client. So once it stops tracking in June or I think it's October for premium clients, 360, um, then, um, yeah, at that point, you um, you get six months. They'll, they'll keep it there, accessible for you to, you know, those final people who are going to be panicking at that point and wanting to download or compare. There's, there's a little bit of leeway. Um, but yeah, just just start planning for the end. Unfortunately, I mean, um, my my metaphor for this, um, I love Jill's one. Um, mine's my, my very simple one is that Universal has been your your cat, and it's sat there and it's reliable. You know, you know where it, you stand with it, and it's all there. It's always there for you, um, and you know how it works. And you've just um, been told you've got to take on this new puppy um and so you've just got this excitable thing that it is new and shiny and exciting um and that's okay you've got to be positive and embrace this change um but you know uh some people aren't ready for for a new puppy uh so you need to train it and you do need to do a bit of work yeah um (laughs) so you you need to you need to get ready for that and 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 you know prepare your ecosystem and your business for that um so that you can, yeah, um, get your puppy training license, your helicopter license, whatever the metaphor is, you know, yeah. it's it's something we have to learn um, or move. And I think yeah. so, and what, what's a really nice point there, Anna, as well, is um, factoring in that the last two years' worth of data is completely wild. And, I, and I, again, I, I understand the frustration that people want to hold on to their data because it's something tangible for all the nebulous marketing things that we do. Um, so people feel very attached to it. But when I've been doing... GA migrations, one of the things we've looked at with the situation analysis, and I I don't say this lightly because I I know that analytics is wonderful, but I have yet to do an audit where there was not a problem in the data collection Mm. configuration. So when people are doing like-for-like comparisons with the car and the helicopter, UA and GA4, you need to do a quick review of your universal analytics with things like, um, what was the common things I've seen for e-commerce? Referral exclusion list. So we had one account where their GA4 did include all of their payment gateways, so their attribution was going to the source before their own tech stack. Universal wasn't. It was half-baked. So you were doing like for like, but half the attribution was misattributed from the offset. We also had problems where they were accidentally, because nobody does this on purpose, accidentally putting personal identifiable information in. So we don't want to be exporting all the all-pages data because you're going to have to add a segment to go and don't take anything naughty because you don't want to carry a lawsuit into your next um, data warehouse. So I think whilst there is, um, obviously we're, we're attached to the data that we've had because it's been there for such a long time, the cat that's sat in the sunshine and we know it's there and and, it, and it, it's great. Um, but do bear in mind that not all that data is equal. And as, as you said, Anna, focusing on trends for your marketing channels, having a look at what content's been really popular, your product data. And I think importantly with e-commerce people, 
yes, Google Analytics can give you information about your products, but Google Analytics or any analytics platform was never designed to be a shopping account system. You go to Shopify for all of your really good data on your products. GA, any other tool you're using is to go, what am I doing in my marketing tech stack? How's the optimization of my website, the usability, and using that data to base success and strategies on. So bearing that in mind, it's it's like, so do you download absolutely everything? Probably not. Do you need to do a situation analysis? Yes, because there are key things you want to look at. Your property settings for your referral exclusions. I'd be looking at views with their filters and if they're correct or in the right order and then make a decision for those like-for-like reports, which are not apples for apples, as we know, they're very different. And using that to give some guidance when you're presenting the future reports that we need to put some caveats that the old data is a, I refer to it as a confabulation of data, lies honestly told. You don't know what you don't know. And if the data is a bit squiffy, then uh, you don't necessarily want to be presenting that as the the primary source. So yeah, do it with caution. Think about what you need um, and think about those reports that you're focusing on. I always say to some clients as well, if um, if you imagine them as physical things in your house and every report is kind of the size of this, you can only carry what you have in your hand. What data do you save from the burning house? Because it is being set on fire. What's important to you? And I the, love these analogies. It's like the But apocalypse. then this is where people go, oh, well, I want my conversion data by source and medium. And I want to know the all pages data because I'm doing loads of SEO. And I want to know um, what the return on ad spend is being for my investments. And I'm like, great, focus on that first and then yeah. and then work on other bits. You don't need the audience data. You don't need the device data. You can get that from other places. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's a really nice uh, uh, like takeaway uh, insight is, is focus and priority because don't conflate it with BI because there are other systems that will give you that historical sales data that will be more accurate as well because it's not mm. sampled, for example. Um, I've got a, a question related to, to this, Anna, is is how ready is GA4? Because from what I've seen, people seem to be using the two in parallel or people like you said before have set up a GA4 property but have done nothing with it. So, you know, what what's missing at the moment? Um, the good thing is that it's you don't have to worry as much as you did when they first told everybody to move to GA4. That was what has probably started off some of this uh, sort of uh, bottom line hostility towards it, is that when they were pushing people to it initially, that's when it had the biggest gaps. And that's when we were saying, well, it's not client ready. Don't do this. So back in 2020, you know, we were talking about, yes, Im- implement it. But that it cannot, it is not capable of being your main reporting platform at this stage. It didn't integrate with Data Studio. It didn't even have e-commerce to start with when it was launched. So for a lot of us, we're like, well, I, yeah, okay, put it, put it on. But you cannot, you know, rely on it in those early days. And that's why it's been a really sort of awkward transition especially because they've ended up transitioning during a pandemic when there is so much other stuff going on in our lives. Um, You know, we're trying to keep businesses and households afloat, you know, and then we've got to make sure that people are are getting up to date with technology. Um, So it is, it is way better now. And, and I would say it is, it is capable and competent now. Um, The gaps, um, there's not too there's not too many. There's not too many anymore. There's there's a couple of downsides, um, but predominantly they've they've fixed those bits. 
Um, so it is looking better. So the biggest, the biggest takeaway, because um, I know that we were having a chat with this about one of your client migrations, like getting your events ready. The capabilities of GA4, though, and we can talk about you know the opportunities in a, in a moment. But the key, the key part to getting GA4 correct is getting the right events for you. And for the e-commerce people that are going to be listening to this, the out-of-the-box events are not enough. So if you do just do the baseline core configuration, you're like, well, this is rubbish. It doesn't have anything because you need to customize it. And once you get those events in for all of your e-commerce and all of the other information points, then everything gets better. The exploration reports get better. The audiences get better. But if you don't have the event data to begin with, none of it works. And I think that's the part where people have gone, oh, wow, this is really good. But we've got some work to do to think strategically about what was the dimension metric category action label in universal analytics and how do I migrate it to GA4 so it feels like or I at least at the moment feel like what all of the SEOs feel like when they do migrations I'm like oh is this what you feel like when you're going from old URL new URL old universal analytics to to this one that's the bit where I think if you if you get that bit right the stuff that people quite rightly are complaining about is because you don't know what you don't know because the information about getting ready for GA4 hasn't quite been the best. Um, and I think we can all admit that. And I think GA could admit that. The documentation has been a bit slow to come out. They've relied more on the community to say what's happening and, and, and how does it work. That the, the logging in and going, well, this is shit because I can't see this report. I'm like, well, you need to build the event for you to get it. And that's the kind of flexibilization, isn't it? And you know, we've had loads of conversations, Anna, about like migrating events and best practices and things like that. It and work like interestingly, um, this is what I always said with universal analytics. Not every business is the same. You have to customize it to get what you need out of it. So that's the key thing with GA4 is understanding the new customizations and the new way of of doing that. I have now, finally, my brain's caught up with me and I've remembered the key things that are um, missing or different. Um, So one of them is that channel groups at the moment can't be edited. So you have, have, have to get your UTM tracking right. Otherwise, it shows up as unassigned in your channel summary report. So that's something that, you know, people have been used to fixing the crap data that was coming in by remapping in your default channel groupings in Universal. Um, But at the moment, you can't edit your channel groupings in in GA4. They have expanded the default ones to include organic social and paid social, which is great. So they are seeing what we need as marketers. So some of the customizations they're now building in as native features, which is brilliant. But yeah, UTM tracking is even more important. Um, On the plus side, they've added new UTM parameters. So that's really helpful. Um, There's even more bits going on there. And you've got separate dimensions for first session um, channel and, you know, uh, sorry, first user channel and first session and the session channel. So you can do those analysis um, when you want to do it, look at the data in different ways. Um, the only other real frustration that I see in ev- like every day um, is that your segments, you can't just build a segment and save it and share it with somebody and have it accessible a few clicks away. Every time you want to do a segment, it's called a condition and you have to apply it to that report. And then it disappears when you've when you've turned it off and you have to rebuild it every time. So you have to go and choose your dimensional metric and then put your filter conditions in place. So conditions, that's 
a little bit frustrating at the moment. Um, there's also a lot of manual configuration required within the interface that maybe wasn't quite as complex as universal. So again, it's it, it's great from my point of view because I work with custom implementations day to day. But for everyday small businesses, it is going to be a pain to get it set up in a custom way for them. So yeah, you're going to have the sort of people who want to go down the quick and dirty route. And for them, I'd say just focus on a couple of core events that are really important to your business. And then you've got the other people where we're going to be doing the gap analysis between Universal and GA4. We're going to be doing those event tracking and, and checking what you've got and what you need. And that's where we then, you know, write that new plan, use all the new events, build our own events and use a good naming convention so that we're within the limitations of how many parameters you can have and things like that. So um, there's a lot of opportunities, but there's, you know, some little frustrations too. And actually, they fix the biggest frustrations, I would say. So it is okay to get started now and start using it as your main reporting platform as soon as you're happy with the data. I think picking up as well on, on what you said about the events as well, one thing that I really liked about the event model is that Google Analytics have provided um, four different types of events. We've got auto events. So that's what comes with the GA4 configuration tag when you say, dear Google, please track this, um, this, this data stream. You then have enhanced events, which come in your data stream configuration. So things like file downloads, videos, as long as they're YouTube embedded because Google loves a Google product, um, site search, things like that. And then outside of that, which is what I would call phase two when I when I map out um, my task is where you do that customization. Now, Google have already provided a list of recommended event names and parameters. And what I like about that is that there is a lot of scope for lots of businesses to have the same naming convention, which for me as an analyst is brilliant because it means what is a, a way of saying a sale happened across 20 clients is all going to be the same. So I can apply repeated data studio templates because they didn't call their category action label something completely different. So I'm pretty sure that the community over the course of the next year will provide guides to say, hey, if you're an e-commerce, you will probably want these recommended events. And it's going to be a plug and play option. And I'm sure there's loads of opportunities for developers to come in and go, I can do this in my sleep. It's a four hour job because you just need this, 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 and this. It's the bits that go to the custom. Um, so I won't name um, the people that um, Anna was, was um, talking to me about uh, last week, but there was a client that wanted refund data going in there and it was a bit more specific. So that was specific to them and their business model. That needed a bit more outside of the box thinking and it didn't fit with recommended or enhanced or auto. And I think having that, that consistency is going to be really good because one, when I move, well, if, if I move jobs. Um, I've worked for myself for 10 years. I don't know why I just said that. Um, if I am an e-commerce person moving jobs, it means it's going to be the same wherever you go. There's not going to be as much orientation. As analysts and people helping them, there's going to be a consistent approach to what they're doing. And I think that's a positive to come out of this as well, um, because it means any cheat sheets or um, tool tips that people are going to give can be applied to lots of different businesses because we have got that consistency in the structure. That that oh, that's really interesting. That's hugely important because because you know I'm not an analytics specialist, but I work with a lot of clients on analysis work to inform strategy projects. And the number of times I sat looking at data, going, I have no idea what this event relates to, what it's measuring, and yeah. 
we want to track X, Y, and Z. Which of the events does this relate to? Because it's somebody who sets up has no naming conventions at all. Yeah. Which is not, yeah. And, yeah, it's really difficult. Nice so. list, a really nice list now. Yeah. And um, Jill and I are both working off the sheet that she's put together that is really nice. And it says auto, you know, custom. And then yeah. also you can build custom events in the interface. So that's kind of cool um, in that, you know, you can combine events and things like that. So if you haven't quite got that bit tracked specifically, or you don't need to build new events sometimes you you for specific things like, say, for example, a thank you page of a contact form. If you want to track that as a goal, um, you you have a page view for it. And you have a parameter that tells you what the URL was. So you can put those together to create your um, custom event in the user interface. And then you just flick one switch and it's a conversion. So it is actually easier to set up goals if it's, you know, if you if you know what your events and your parameters are. And yeah, there's now that really nice, there is a much, well, it feels more comprehensive naming convention that they've given us out of the box. And we can utilize that in different ways, but it's it's going to make sense for businesses and yeah, make template reporting a little easier. But the key thing is understand it for your business and make sure you note down what you're using these dimensions and um, the events really for um, and how that relates to the business. Always, always have a, at least one page of documentation. Yeah. Yes, the art of documentation is, is mm. undervalued in most businesses. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. So I've got, I've got a question, uh, Jill, I'll ask you first, but then an interest in your perspective as well, Anna, is we talked a lot about the need to act. The question that, that will be on most people's mind is how do I act? So can you talk people through how should businesses approach like migration and rollout for GA4? Like what, what do they need to do? What are the steps involved and what resources and skills do they need to achieve this properly? Yeah. So um, I think we'll be able to um, shamefully plugging one of my guides on my website. I'll send you a link that we can put in the show notes. Um, yeah. I've got something called the helicopter method with my lovely anecdote of um, different types of um, modes of transportation. I like to break things out into phases because I think there's there's a lot of information out there about GA4 and some of it is really exciting, but it's also a little bit advanced and there's a lot of work that you need to have completed as a dependency to get that. Um, happening so the the five stages that I've got in my plan is the first one phase one is just getting the core configuration getting the GA4 configuration tag making sure your data streams are configured um, like for like with with UA so your referral exclusions and um, you know the sites that you're doing cross-domain tracking you want to get it as close as possible to what you've got in your your car interface um beyond that um depending on the business model you can still as anna said with creating events from events you can still do quite a bit of configuration you can say um oh we're, we're tracking file downloads but i want this particular um type of download or a particular name of a download maybe it's a guide maybe it's uh, something like that um you can do all of that in the user interface and get quite a good baseline level amount of data 
Phase two is where you think about that customization. So we're thinking about looking beyond what we have from out of the box. And you'll be looking at your situation analysis of universal analytics and working through your KPIs first. So the key macro conversions down to your micro conversions and then working out, well, what events do I need in GA4 to match that? So if you have uh, e-commerce set up, then you know you need to set up your GA4 um uh, e-commerce data and thankfully if you've got enhanced e-commerce GA4 can piggyback off that data layer to build um, to build what you need and I know that there's going to be more tools and connectors that are coming out um, I can't remember the name of one but one's in Google Tag Manager where they basically convert it for you and, and build those events so it's there and then anything more specific like we're tracking refunds or people that are referring a friend or something like that then you would build those in as well but work through a, a, a traffic light system what do I absolutely need oh did they buy the product and then you know did they refer a friend oh that can wait later we need to get this bit done first and prioritize those events Phase three is when you are collecting that data. You've got a couple of months worth of data. You can start to get familiar with the report. So you are um, adding secondary dimensions. You're trying to recreate the reports that you are lovingly uh, attached to in universal analytics. You might be starting to play around with the, the funnels and the path analysis, um, and you're starting to refine any further events with any blind spots because you don't know until you really start <clears throat> getting into it. Phase four is when you're doing some really advanced stuff. We're talking about building audiences because audiences for me are a complete star in GA4 because we can layer um, event counts and we can add time. So I can build audiences where I say, show me a, a user that bought twice in the last 14 days uh, or show me somebody where the average order value is say 50 pounds. Who's my high spender and, and get them uh, for a hundred, and we can start adding time to it. Who came on the website, and after five minutes, they converted. And these audiences can be used in your paid media, but I can also use them in my analysis. So there's loads of use cases there, and I've got clients that have done this where they built audiences in GA4 when they were dual tagging to buy people that are more like the ones that are really good users. They buy a lot, they buy quickly, and going over to the ads team and saying, "Buy me this audience. Like here's our audience. Do something with it." But we need to have done those previous steps to have collected the events in order to do that. Phase five is BigQuery. So something that I know there's um, there's a bit of, uh, depending on where you are on, on the Twitter universe at the moment, there is, uh, there's a bit of uh, an upset, maybe an anger that they, they feel like the data retentions in GA4 are, are going to stop them doing what they need to do. GA4 has got a wonderful thing where you can link BigQuery, but... Anna knows this as well. There'll be lots of people you speak to and they'll go, never heard of it, never heard of it before. Because most people don't, you know, it's been for really big data science teams. You think of BigQuery as the black box to your helicopter. It's tracking absolutely everything. When you're in your reports in GA4, all of your standard reports, so life cycle, you know, the conversion, that kind of thing, that will go on as long as you have been tracking it. So I've got one client that's nearly two years in, and we can still do like-for-like -like comparisons for channels and events that are going on. The data retention settings in GA4 only really focus on the exploration report. So the funnels and the path analysis, the maximum we can do in free is 14 months. If you're on 360 GA4, it's 50. So there will be some use cases where you want BigQuery because 
you want more data to recreate some of those exploration reports and you, the only way you're going to do that is in BigQuery or some of the more complicated areas where you've run out of um, custom dimensions to publish your parameters. And that's something we'll talk about later because that is another nonsensical way of saying, show me what I'm tracking. Um, you'll need to go into BigQuery for that. But the the nice thing with, with GA4 for some things um, I'm not too worried about building funnels and reports because unlike the car, if you know with, and I'm speaking to a load of people that are focused on e-commerce, if we built funnels in the car, they only started sharing the data the day that we created those funnels, which is really frustrating, isn't it? When you're like, damn it, I wish I had this for the last year. We can apply the data in GA4 historically. So provided you've been tracking it, future you, you know, next year, uh, James can be focusing on building those um, those funnels because they're gonna they're gonna be tracking that data. So it's it's winding it all back to go. This five step plan could be anywhere between twelve and twenty four months for people to get cracking on. So the key thing at the moment, and I've got all of the little you know theory and practical tasks in this guide that I've that I've created, is by as Anna said at the end of June, first of July, you you ideally want to get some data in GA4 so you can do that comparison uh, data. There will be some people that that is just not possible. Other projects are happening. Life is going on. We are still living in a pandemic. Loads of people are off sick with COVID at the moment. So it might not happen, in which case do whatever you can do in that time, even if it is just phase one, getting the core configuration done and then starting to plan out what you're going to do for phase for phase two, that customization. And I think for this for this audience, for the e-commerce listeners, there are going to be, as we've said, very, very similar looking plans because of these recommended structures that will be able to apply to, to different places. And then you can learn how to do it. Keep using the car and you've got a year to kind of get your head around this new model. They're not saying they're getting rid of it now, but I have noticed, I don't know if um, Anna's noticed as well. UA is getting slow. Like I'm getting those error messages. I'm like, God, the car is just, it's not being serviced. There's no MOT on it. It is falling apart. And it, I don't know if that's by design or if it's just creaky servers and they're getting ready. You will find that you'll you'll be using GA4 more when you start implementing it. And for me now, I don't actually look at my own UA anymore. I look at GA4 first because I'm training myself and I've been doing that for the last year that I'm, I'm quite used to it. It's just getting used to a new a new environment, but you have to start at, at, at one level. And if you do one thing, get that done today, and then, you know, you can then start getting uh, the next bits focused later. Yeah, so that, that sounds like a really sensible structured approach. That's nice. So um, we'll add, yeah, we will add the link to our, our webpage just so people can view that guide. So Anna, a question for you is that some people, I guess smaller businesses, it'd be easier to pivot away from GA if they think this is too complex. I want to cover off five alternatives because, you know, there are other platforms out there. What, from your point of view, do you consider to be viable alternatives for businesses if they decide that they they want to evaluate an alternative? Um, so it, I... I... I hate this. I'm going to put some money in the measure camp square jar for saying it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Every consultant has to have it depends in the armory. Absolutely. Um, So with the, with what I would say is before you decide that, do your quick and dirty GA4 implementation. And I'm, I'm calling it quick and dirty because quite honestly, you can get a GA4 stream set up and tagged if you've got, 
GA and you've got GTM, you can get it up and running. The basic page view and enhanced um, metrics in less than an hour. You can you can just do a quick and dirty. So just you could get that up and running nice and quick, and then you can start thinking, well, actually, could I work with this? So that is my my first approach is the quick and dirty GA four instead of you know it, it, you can spend a lot of budget planning it, doing it really really well, and we will be doing this for some clients. But others, you know, just get it and get started. Now, you can do that with other tools as well. Um, And so for the small business, um, so there's like businesses who just want to see, am I getting some sessions? Am I getting some data? Oh, why is Sunday really, really busy? Um, I'd recommend Fathom. Um, That gives you a one pager and it's cookie-less tracking. So it's really nice for privacy. Um, and it's it, it's just straightforward. It gives you the dashboard, um, and that's that's great. That's what people need. Um, so that's that's the simple one where you don't need the custom funnels, where you don't need to do the segments and the deeper analysis and the insights and all of this. Um, where you do need to do that more in depth analysis. Uh, people are moving to Matamo, Matamo, Matamo. Anyway, that one, um, or some of the others. Um, so th- I've seen people enjoying HubSpot over the last couple of years as well. There's a lot to be said for HubSpot because of the sort of CRM integration, um, and it does the on-site analysis too. So that's actually a really good tool. Again, that might be looking on the more premium side, um, like um, the others. So yeah, those those are good. Um, and then you've got um, Adobe, if you're an enterprise level business, you know, if you're considering that, GA4 is a bit more like um, the Adobe platform because you have to sort of build those reports. And, and that's another nice thing about GA4, I think, and, but that we're not used to. Um, we've had our cat there. The reports are always accessible. The cat's always on the sofa. But with GA4, your puppy's all over the place, um, but you can train it. You can give it new reports. You can customize your whole reporting interface to have what matters to you. And so that's really nice. And that sort of echoes where um, Adobe um, Analytics and Omniture have been for, for years in that, well, it's it's all about customizing your tracking setup and then customizing what reports you want out of it. And that's because they know that enterprise businesses are all different. Mm-hmm. They are all different. They need different KPIs. And the key thing is, what does your business need? So just before you start just looking into all the tools, turn your computer off and write a list. What does my business need? What is my business trying to achieve? Is it worldwide growth? Is it is it customer growth? Is it this market? Is it revenue increase, profit increase, awareness? You know, what is it? And think about, well, what data points do I then need for that? We're coming back to, you know, step one on the on the analytics training course. Um, why the hell do you have a website? Why do you want to track anything? And then what do you need to track? And then you can think about, well, what do I want my report to look like? And if I want a really interactive report and I want this and that, you know, you're going to be looking at things that integrate with Tableau or Power BI, and then it can join up with the rest of your business. Because those tools are fantastic. And they're the enterprise version of Data Studio, so to speak. Data Studio is a bit clunky. Do you want your data there? Sometimes it's sketchy getting in non-Google data into there. Can you trust it? That sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's there's quite a few different products out there as well. Um, there's 
mix panel, there's uh, ringside. Again, they've all got different things. There's go squared, whooper, uh, claws. Well, there's 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 lots of these different things. So have a think about what could be beneficial for for your business, um, and you know what do you actually need. Um, and then also the tool is only as good as the people who use it. Mm-hmm. So don't don't go mad. Like if you if you haven't got the resource in house, why have the best tool that needs the most configuration and the most this or the most support? Think about what as a business the people can use and what they what you're going to be able to make decisions on. Yeah, I think that's really sensible advice. The too many businesses I've seen invest in in technology that they don't use and they pay license fees for no reason. Um, or they give really skilled people crap tools and don't invest in the right tools to let them do their job properly. So it's it's a classic yeah. e-commerce dichotomy. But um, that that's covered off all the question. I think what I've taken from this is is basically you you can't not act, yeah. and the actions that you can take are to to basically make sure you've got a GA four property set up uh, and don't obsess about getting it to the nth degree of customization in phase one. That that makes perfect sense, the prioritization piece. But familiarize familiarize yourself with it. And if there are any doubts in the background, evaluate alternatives so that you know you're making the right decision basically for the long term. Would that seem like a fair enough summary? I know that's that does an injustice to the amount of detail that you've both added. I mean I've had um Obviously, since the announcement in March, I've, I've had a lot of inquiries, I'm sure Anna has as well. Um, for some people, when I had my discovery call, I've said, I, I actually don't think this is the right option for you because of the size of the business and what they want out of it, echoing what, what Anna was saying. Um, you know, it was a small-ish e-commerce shop that was making a good, healthy revenue for the people running it, but they... The, the amount of work involved, it's just not there. But one thing that, that all of these discovery calls came out with is they were like, oh, but there's still work then. I was like, yeah, whether you go to GA4 or Fathom or Plausible, you still have to do a migration. You still have to think about what data you're going to be exporting. And we also need to think about these other tools and how they are also going to be working in a cookie-less world. Um, something that we didn't mention about GA4, which came out only in that the last week of March, uh, GA announced after all this stuff with um, Google Analytics is illegal in France and Austria. Yeah. They basically turned around now and said with GA4, they will truncate the IP address before it's stored and processed. And you, we can now then decide where we would like our data to be stored. So if you want it to be in Dublin or you want it to be in England or you want it to be in France, you can say, where do I want that data to come in? Um, so it will be interesting to see how these other um GA alternatives, which feels to me like um if uni- universal analytics was an automatic car, these other tools feel like driving stick. You know, it's familiar, but you've just kind of got to get around a little bit because it's kind of the same and very familiar. But depending on how much you're investing in your, your marketing strategies, if you are in the Google ecosystem, you can't get away with it. The other tools will not do what Google Analytics can do for paid media. So for some people, whether you like it or not, you're just going to have to move over to GA4 or go to another paid solution. But I think all of this in in summary, uh, there's work to be done. So roll your sleeves up and and let's get going. We're all in this together. We're all learning. We're all giving our resources. But also that we are moving away from free analytics as well. So whether you're using Fathom or Plausible, it's going to be like $9, $10 a month. And if we're using BigQuery, maybe $9 a month, getting that historical data. So in 2024, you're going to have a marketing budget where there's going to be a tiny line for your analytics to be stored 
or you go blind. Like, as in, we don't track anything and we just kind of go, the wind's going in this direction. Let's do this with the strategy. And do you know what? Some people will do that and they'll do all right because, you know, it's a smallish business and they can get away with it. Most Some people do that even when they have the data. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's still the hippo analytics method, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, the data tell us this, but we don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now that that's really a really really sensible advice and i i'm sure there's be some people listening and go oh i've got more questions or oh actually i'd quite like to talk to you there might be a project here so um jill how could people reach out to you if they want to talk to you uh you can find me on linkedin the the beautiful thing about being called jill quick is there are not many jill quicks in the world so i'm quite easy to find on linkedin and twitter uh or my website the coloring in department um I'm going to measure measure camp for the first time in May. So if anybody's going there, then then come out and say hi. I'm going to be tagging along with Anna. Um, cool. And Anna, same question to you. If people want to contact you and discuss anything further or talk about a project, um, where do they go? Um, so polka.data is the name of my company. My email address is nice and simple. It's Anna at polka.data.com or on my website, you can book in a time to just have a chat. I've got an automatic calendar working. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> I'm not so good at the LinkedIn thing. And I, I know, right? <laughs> to be honest, I've been paying for it for a while and not using it. It's one of those things. There's that tool that, you know, you've got to think about what's worthwhile. So let's make it worth my <laughs> while that I put it in place. You could book uh, some time with me um, just for a, a 30 minute free consultation, just a chat. What what are your needs? My team, um, where Jill does fantastic audits, planning, mapping. She's an absolute wizard on that. We do um, that within what we do um although not always to the um length that jill does we're very bullet pointy um and uh then we do the implementation so sometimes we'll take jill's um fantastic audits and we'll then build the tracking code to it so we each offer sort of complementary services yeah. to get people up and running with ga4 we're happy you know we work together on a few things but um yeah uh we can we can talk about you know if if anybody does need ga4 support whether you need quick and dirty or whether you need um jill's amazing helicopter driving guide fantastic i love i'm loving the analogies pets and and mobiles covered in in today's podcast um look anna jill thanks so much i've really enjoyed this i've learned some new stuff which is great and i always knew i would by doing this episode with you so purely selfish on my part obviously um and thanks everyone for listening i hope you've enjoyed it just as much and you've got some practical insights here keep an ear out for the next episode we drop them every tuesday and do subscribe if you haven't already get alerts every week and we'd love a rating on apple or spotify so until next week everyone for more information on this topic head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.